Like at the end of the day, recruiting is number one, right? But one A to me is environment. And it just, it drove that home even more for me. mansion a jacuzzi <laughs> one of my favorite songs <laughs> i know dude shout out mac miller two of my favorites uh welcome back to another episode of champion school morning edition playoff edition uh or well, wild card edition i guess uh i am ray mcintyre joined as always is bzb wow. we are here for champion school how you doing bro doing good man good morning beautiful morning we got the sunshine and arizona weather is moving in a good direction so we're, we're having a good morning man i got the coffee let's go fired up and, and how quick, are you quick note i'm doing great and, and i'll get into a little bit of, of information here shortly but the quick note on uh we have the retreat right coming up this friday i believe um and what tell them the high <laughs> the, the, the the high's changed uh five times in the last two days that I've checked. Uh, but right now it currently is sitting at, I believe 46. Let me go <laughs> double check that it's in, that's in South Lake. Now, now Tahoe city, where I believe we are, I have to double check. Um, but okay. Which 45, isn't very far. 45 with an 80% chance of rain. Now last week it showed snow. Now it's showing rain. We don't know what to expect, but we're getting out in it, baby. It's going to be a fun, a fun little weekend up there in Tahoe. Yeah, those kids are gonna be pretty tired from that fifty-five mile rucksack you got them going on. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, hey guys, it's eight to eight, and that's just the hike. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, anyways, good news. Or well, I, we're not even gonna get into. The, oh, I guess we could call it good news. We're gonna wrap it all together between what's new and the good news. Good news. Quick note from me, I guess. Uh, I am back coaching. How about that? Uh, there's not a whole lot I can talk about. I am with UC Davis. They are going through some things and, and need some help, and I'm stepping in and uh, helping with another couple guys, and, and we're going to get these guys through fall. So uh, we're back in college coaching, BZB. How about that? It's awesome, dude. It <laughs> fires me up. It's like it's like your honey hole, dude. You just somehow found your way back. Uh, the best part about it, though, is like the story behind it, and I think the story will be better in the future. Uh, for you, though, like I don't think you had any intention of going back in, moving back to Davis, and then just this crazy just whirlwind of events that somehow put you in the right spot at the right time. So I think life's all about opportunities, man. That's the good news of the day. Life is all about opportunities. What are you going to do with them? So those guys are lucky, man. They don't know the, uh, the hidden gym that is right there in their backyard that's coming in. And you guys start today, don't you? Wednesday? First practice. We're jumping in. So oh, we, we'll see how it goes. We're going right into team, you know? Uh, so I'm excited, but I uh, just want to let everybody know, all of our followers, that uh, that's why I'm a little bit more busy now. So um, anyways, number two, our boy Bobby Dahlbeck with the Boston Red Sox eliminated the janky Yankees last <laughs> night from the AL wildcard. What do you got? 
uh, I'm a little butt hurt because I, I, I want <laughs> the Yankees to win. Uh, I, I was doing a little lesson last night and I heard it over the loudspeaker and it said Anthony Rizzo hit a home run. So I thought that we were winning, but no, it's cool. It's fun to watch that. It's good to see Bobby on TV too, man. I mean, the dude's been through a lot and he's worked his butt off to get there and seeing that team come together. It's just really all about opportunity again. I mean, who makes the most of that? I think that it helps them playing at home. But that was such a good game. And uh, just the Red Sox came out with, with some in, in, intention, and they went out and freaking did it, dude. It was pretty cool to watch that. So now I'm excited because playoff baseball is here, man. we got some good series that's coming up right now. Yeah, we're rolling. we got, what, uh, Dodgers-Cardinals play tonight. Um, yep. Yep. And and just think about the pressure of that one game, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, as a pitcher, like, you, have, you feel like you have some control over it. But as a position player, like, you're controlling your three at-bats and some defense, which you might not even get one ball. So – uh geez a lot of sweat but i love that they've implemented this as part of the playoffs i think it just adds that extra layer um to it so even think about how how it works out i mean you have the giants and the dodgers winning 100 something games i think the dodgers set like a new record or something the giants might have set one like just unreal and one of those teams has to play an extra game just to get into the playoffs it's nuts. Like, they won 106 107 games whatever it ended up being and now they're going up against arguably the hottest team in baseball right now who won 17 in a row. I mean, you got the Cardinals who are just clicking on all cylinders. They have veteran leadership all across the board. But so do the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have a big bank. So it's going to be fun to watch, man. Who do you got? Who, who's your pick of the night? Uh, you know, I can't lean on the Dodgers. I, you know, I, and not the, that I think – who's even throwing? Do you know who's – is Kershaw on the – or I don't think Kershaw's thrown. I believe it's I believe it's either Scherzer or Bueller. I would assume Scherzer. I was gonna say if Bueller has the ball, then it's definitely the Cardinals. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, shots fired. I, I wow. You know what? Beep, beep, beep. Electric arm, but that goes straight into the if you can't throw strikes where you want it, like you're just not gonna be a Hall of Fame arm. Sorry. So <laughs> oh well. Anyways, he's good. Not great. <laughs> they have three Cy Young <laughs> candidates. I think they're doing okay over there. <laughs> they are, but they're also playing for one game to get into the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's move into uh, this week's Zen. Uh, this week's Zen, I thought it was perfect because uh, we were out there in New Mexico, Farmington, New Mexico at this awesome retreat, basically, uh, where, you know, we got away from the city life and we, we got to really instill some cool wisdom with some of these young group, this young group of kids. Um, but I wanted to talk about limiting beliefs today because there was one thing that came up on the hike. The, The guy that we're with has run a 240 mile race. So like, for you talk about limiting beliefs. I know the big leap is a, a great book that kind of dives into that a lot. Uh, but talk about limiting beliefs a little bit. Yeah. The, the, the one that was an amazing event shout out to the Morrissey's that was on the Morrissey ranch. Uh, it's so awesome. They actually sent us home with some meat in the meats. <laughs> fuego dude it is good it is really good so i've crushed through a couple of those um we'll see what happens but uh, it was a lot of fun and so there's the the book that you just mentioned there ray the big leap is a really good book about different zones and it's about how do we get into the zone of genius and it's like most people operate in the zone of excellence or the zone of competence or incompetence but how do you get into the zone of genius and that's living your best truest form of life and is chasing whatever it is that you feel is on your heart to chase right it's whatever like your passions are, are all dialed into and so a lot of people never really get into that zone 
you know, I still like, I feel like I'm still trying to get into that zone too. And, and wondering how can I get in there? And I believe it all comes from limiting beliefs and limiting beliefs are just something that is holding you back from getting to where you want to go. Um, I got the follow your dreams aspect back here. And a lot of the times that's an easy thing to say, Hey, follow your dreams. But then there's a lot of roadblocks in your way to your dream and a lot of obstacles that are going to come in the way. It's how do we avoid some of these and push through some of these obstacles to get to where we want to go. And so the limiting beliefs is something that's going to keep us back, holding us back from accomplishing our true potential. And there was one moment there on the hike where there was this downhill, like probably 20, 30 feet downhill. And it was just sandy, sandy rock. Like it wasn't very sturdy rock at first I thought it was, and it was not. And you could literally slide down the hill or you can roll off and you're done. And there's these seven, eight, nine, 10 year old kids up to 14, 15. And then adults, right? Some adults there trying to get down this hill. And there was no hesitation. And it was just one after another, after another, after another. And it was like, hey, you got this. A lot of encouragement, a lot of belief in each other. And so we saw the power of peer belief. Like when your peers believe in you, your coaches believe in you, your teammates believe in you, you start to believe in you. And that was something that was huge. And seeing these kids break through those limiting beliefs, those fears that a lot of us have, public speaking, heights, fear of failure, fear of animals, right? Other things. And this was just a really cool moment for us. So uh, I just truly believe that if we can learn to push through some of those limiting beliefs, it starts with recognizing them. What are our limiting beliefs? What do we feel like is holding us back? Or, or what are the, the roadblocks in our way? And then we can develop a plan to push through those beliefs and build a new belief system. Um, so that's really where we're, we're kind of going with that. And so it was really fun to watch that in person live with young kids who have a fear of heights. I had a fear of heights and just going down into it, leaning into that fear a little bit and pushing through is so awesome. Yeah. I think it's cool uh, because you look at little kids and generally across the board, you know, obviously you're going to have one or two, but across the board, they don't have as many, right? Because they just haven't grown up. I'm 30 years old. I've probably been told no, or I can't do something like 7,000 times by now. Right. Whereas like them, like, you know, this Santa Claus and all that, right? Like, it's all good, man. Like we're, the beliefs there and we're, we're going and, and there is no doubt and, and that the belief in themselves too. Like, it's, it's just awesome. It's a little bit easier to step over those hurdles. And uh, one of the kids that was on the hike, it was hilarious. He's, he was one of those kids that was clearly struggling the whole way. Right. And we get up very close to the top and, and he goes, oh, coach, I'm dying. I don't, I can't make it. You know, and it's like, buddy, like, you know, most people quit right before the peak. And he's like, Oh, where's the peak? I was like, it's pretty close, man. We're right up there. Oh, I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's perfect, right? Like that's exactly how we are. Like we'll chip and chip and chip away. And then all of a sudden, like our mind goes, we can't do it. And that's generally right before we succeed. So wild. That's great time. Shout out to Adam and and the Morrissey family, man. They, they hooked us up and uh, that dude is an animal. So (laughs) animal, if you ever need an incredible public speaker, inspirational speaker, dude, who's going to spit flames and like get everybody's attention in a room within 0.2 seconds, hire Adam. He's incredible. (laughs) The, the, The accent, everything together, man. He's so convicted in his beliefs. He is unbelievable. We got to get him on the podcast. We got to get him on the podcast. We do. We do. And we'll get it. We'll get it straight. We'll figure it out. It, if I feel, I, I feel like I've underperformed every time I'm around him. So yes, you know, it's tough. <laughs> uh, anyways, we didn't announce it at the start of the podcast, uh, but we had one heck of an interview yesterday. Uh, coach Justin Lewis uh, is going to be joining us here. He's the head coach at Nichols, uh, Nichols State out there in Louisiana for the softball team. 
He was formerly at uh, Fresno State and kind of has bounced around. He was out of coaching for a really long time before getting back into it. Uh, and this dude is a Hall of Fame dude. Like, I, you know, if I'm living in Louisiana, I'm probably kicking it with Coach Lewis a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what would you think about the interview? Unbelievable guy, man. The energy was great. He's so awesome, so real and genuine and authentic. And you can just see that even through a, a computer screen, how powerful that is when it's inside people. And so hearing his story, man, I love, I'm excited to get into his story a little bit and hearing some of the things that he's been through, gone through to get to where he is today. It wasn't the conventional route that a lot of coaches might take. And that's the part that I love the most about it is nothing in life should be conventional, right? It should be a little out of the box and we should try new things. And uh, it's cool to see him using all of the things from his past and, and all the different jobs that he's had and, and producing those leadership skills and abilities for what he gets to do now today. That's right. Without further ado, Coach Lewis. And, um, and no, nobody would, nobody would let me back in. Nobody would give me a shot. And so I started, I was still working at the fire department and, and, um, you know, I was like, well, I got to do something else, you know, that, to, that I'm interested in. This isn't working. And, and so I started a podcast, got like, I don't know, about 30 episodes in. And, uh, it was just kind of, kind of what you guys are doing. I was doing a, uh, you know, I love listening to Tim Ferriss and all those guys and was like, man, somebody should do this with coaches, you know, do like a long form interview with coaches. Cause you always get to hear them with these five minute, you know, little scripted blurbs. And, and that was all we ever got. We never got like the, the, the details, you know, the in-depth stuff. And after about a year of thinking that I was like, well, I'm somebody and I got some contacts, you know, <laughs> I reached out to a bunch of uh, people, uh, coaches that I knew and asked if they were interested and they all said yes. So then I, I had to figure out how to start a podcast. <laughs> so, what what it, was it? It was called um, Coaching Minds with Justin Lewis. Ooh, I like it. I like <laughs> it. Yeah. Are they are they out there somewhere still? Yeah, I think it's still on Stitcher. But it was it was on everywhere. It was good, man. Did uh, had Dean on? I was like the first time we had really officially met. Uh, but yeah, it was it was cool. I had Jay Johnson and Mike Andrea and a bunch of guys. It was cool. I, I really enjoyed it, man, but it was like, uh, you know, the work that went into it. I was going to keep it going when I got back into coaching, and I was like, I don't, I didn't have the time for it, but I missed it. It was fun. Were you doing your own editing too? Yeah, which wasn't much because I just let them go. You know, it was just <laughs> editing, the intro and outro at the end. Um, but I would always tell people, hey, if you say something or whatever that you don't want to say and you want me to edit it out, we can do that, but nobody ever did, so – uh, it wasn't much just putting in that intro and outro and kind of figuring it out was, uh, wasn't bad. You know, most awesome. of the work came in the preparation. You know, I always wanted to do interviews that like that they had never done before. And, and so I would listen to every interview they'd ever done or read everything that they had put out or whatever, and just try to, you know, talk like, um, you know, ask questions that they hadn't, you know, ever really been asked, but trying to get them to do this kind of thing where just like, let's just talk. Like they weren't used to it. So it was, it was kind of a struggle at first and you try to prep them for it at the beginning and they just sat there and waited for questions, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's hit and miss. It's hit and miss. I mean, at least we're, we're with a co-host of a podcast now we're doing good. So absolutely. Um, for everybody that doesn't know you, I guess, can you give a little background, your coaching history and, and kind of what's gotten you to where you're at today? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just give you my quick kind of rundown. I played baseball all the way through college 
uh, played at Central Arizona in the, mm. the late 90s at, uh, under, you know, Hall of Fame coach Clint Myers. Um, his first year doing baseball was my freshman year. And uh, I always say, you know, Clint Myers and I came there together and turned things around. And that's all <laughs> big lie. Uh, I was a walk-on, um, had gotten cut from my other junior college I tried to go to the year before. And, uh, you know, it was one of them, them one-day tryouts. You get, you know, eight pitches off a guy who's also trying out. And um, so he told me the next year that he'd give me the entire fall to try out. And I was like, cool. So, well, and then I made a deal with him and I said, Hey, well, as soon as you know, I'm going to start for you, you got to put me on scholarship. He was like, okay. Um, <laughs> but it worked out and, um, was a two year starter there. And then, uh, but I was a party kid, man. I was a mess and I just ran around with my head on fire. And so he wasn't going to put his name behind me because even though I was, a, I performed, I, I was a mess personally, you know? So I had a bunch of NAIA offers and, you know, nothing that I just thought I was a D one kid and, um, a week before school started, uh, one of my best friends was transferring from University of Kansas to Northeast Louisiana University, which is ULM now. And uh, they were looking for another transfer outfielder. They were really young in outfield. And they asked him if he knew anybody. He said, yeah, my buddy's still looking for a place to play. And uh, went out to Monroe, Louisiana, sight unseen. And, uh, you know, before the Internet and all that fun stuff. And um, but same thing was walk on and, and talk to smoke played for smoke Laval, And, um, he's like, you know, well, we ain't got any money and, uh, well, I'll come out, but as soon as I, you know, I'm going to start for you, I put me on scholarship. So I made that deal twice, worked out twice. That's um, amazing. That's so yeah. Amazing. And then, um, but, and, and it was kind of funny cause it was like a foreshadowing for the rest of my career. It was always like, you know, betting on myself and, and, and go in and put in the work. But, uh, uh, graduated, went back to central Arizona and, and helped coach, uh, with the old man there, at, um, at central for three years. My very first recruit ever should have quit after this Ian Kinsler. Oh, should have hung him up. You're right. You should just uh, done after this one. <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't know, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I went to the same high school as him. It was like kind of a baseball factory with the uh, Shelly and Chris Duncan and Scott Harrison, uh, you know, a bunch of, D1 kids and big leaguers out of there. And, um, you know, it was just a skinny kid with big ears at a real slick fielder and had a decent swing. And we didn't know he was going to end up where he obviously ended up, but, uh, you know, so then, um, then I got out of coaching for 15 years, um, but started playing men's fast pitch kind of where I fell in love with, with softball and, uh, did every kind of sales job in the world. I sold mortgages, I sold cars, I sold manufactured homes, um, and then kind of out of necessity of, of some stability for my family, started having kids and, um, joined the fire department. I was like the last one of my buddies to do so and did that for 10 years and, uh, was an awesome job from time to time, but you know, it wasn't exactly what I signed up for. It was, you know, I got stuck in a retirement community and was scraping up naked old men all day and, uh. <laughs> off the toilet, you know, and, and then oh. chasing rattlesnakes all summer in Arizona wasn't uh, exactly what I thought I was going to yeah. be doing. wasn't as fulfilling as I was hoping for. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it started, uh, I was working all of Mike Candreas camps at, at Arizona and, and um, he was trying to help me get back in. It took me three years of applying for everything I could and uh, finally got in. Um, Craig Nicholson, uh, had just gotten a job at a D2 in South Texas at Texas A&M Kingsville. 
And we went there with a team that hadn't, uh, they hadn't been to the conference tournament even in 10 years. And our first year we went to the conference tournament. Second year we went all the way to the D2 World Series and finished second. Got double dipped on the last day. Oh, Thanks, That's NCAA, for making us play a double header in the <laughs> national championship game. Shout out. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> Plug them. We'll tag them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so then uh, after that, I, I had the opportunity to uh, to get into D1. Um, and uh, it was fortunate. I was living in Corpus Christi at the time, just driving down to Kingsville. And a friend of mine got the uh, the head job at AM Corpus Christi and asked me to come along with her. So I did that. And then January last year, I was sitting on my couch, just hanging out, watching TV uh, with the old lady. And uh, Mike Andrea calls. And he's not the kind of guy to just call and say hi. Something's up. And he says, hey, you interested in this hitting job at Fresno State? <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it, but should I be? And he said, yep. <laughs> All right. Two weeks later, I'm driving to Fresno and um, – Moved a, into a 22-foot RV in the worst part of Fresno in a gnarly trailer park. And uh, stayed in that for three months until my family joined me. And um, we went on this magical ride last year and made it through the regionals and beat number, I think they were like 23, Minnesota in the nation at the time. And then almost shocked the world and almost beat UCLA in the second game. So, but all that then kind of led me straight here to, to this head job, my first head job here at Nichols. So that's a long way around that. But <laughs> no, man, your story is awesome. So good. It's so good. Um, so how did you, I'll go one more by before you jump yeah, in, but yeah. like the transition from being and and it's always hard for me to wrap my head around and coaching Dre is obviously like the best probably at any sport as a head coach. So uh, but transitioning into softball, obviously you're playing but how was that like transitioning as a coach? Cause I know it's just like, even the recruiting side, right? Like females develop just so much earlier and faster and, and like, it's a different game. So uh, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was, I mean, fortunately I, I had a bunch of, you know, the, the head coaches I had um, in my first two stops were phenomenal at it, you know? And so it just, I got to learn from them. Um, but yeah, it, it's so the difference between softball and baseball in college is, is just night and day because like there's no draft really for most of these girls and so you're getting them for four years I don't have to worry about the draft blowing up my draft class coming in like baseball does you know at a yeah. lot of schools and so you know you're going to get these these kids for four years and it's and and really most of them are focused on the academic piece of it and it's it's just a lot I mean sorry to say but a lot of baseball guys aren't you know and that's <laughs> the reality of it because they're all going to go to the big leagues right and so yeah. um these kids are, Hey, we've got a nursing program here. We've got, you know, uh, different things that these kids, that's what they want to do. And they're using softball as an Avenue for that. And, and so, um, but the, the, the basis of it though, is still the same. I mean, it's still, it's a relationship game, you know, and, and I, I believe so. And if, if we do the, the relationship part, right, we're still going to win. So um, that's everything we do has been kind of based on that. I love it. I love the relationship game. I was kind of in a similar boat there for like a year. I went into a, a sales job and all they talked about day in and day out was 
build relationships, build relationships, build relationships, but they never showed us. And so right. I'm sitting here on a phone, I'm cold calling coaches and it was a fundraising job for college programs other than division one. So I'm out here. It was actually worked out pretty well because it built connections, sure. but I'm call, cold calling coaches who don't want to talk to anybody about fundraising. They just want to win games and you're trying to convince them to use your, your fundraising thing and build a relationship that you don't have yet. <laughs> it's all this other stuff. So we're at all these tactics and stuff. Um, but coach, I want to dive back into your story a little bit. I love hearing stories like this because you were out of the game for 15 years. You weren't even in softball to begin with, um, kind of developed that love for softball. Like what is your best advice to stay faithful during the journey? I mean, I'm sure you didn't see it when you were younger in college playing at central Arizona, which is an awesome place. I mean, that play, you guys are so good every year. But I'm sure you didn't see a head coach at a Division One level, let alone coaching softball, I'm sure, at that time when you were younger. How do you stay faithful during that journey? And what's your best advice to just keep rolling with the punches and the things that life brings at you? Yeah, um, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, it, it, there's so many cliche things that have been so true in my life. You know, the, uh, the, the just you never know, you know, where your relationships are going to take you. Um, you know, being intentional with, with the relationships that you develop. And, and sadly, like, I didn't pay attention to any of that shit when I was younger. Right. And it was like, man, think about if we can pass this knowledge on and, and, and get young people to actually apply the stuff that we know now is as a 45 year old, Justin understands this stuff. Now, like if I could have applied that stuff to 23, 24, where would I have been now? You know, but I'm one of those guys that kind of has to F things up pretty good myself and, before I learn it, you know? So, um, but, but once I decided to come back to coaching, I mean, I was able to apply all these things that I had been studying and learning, um, through all these years. And, and so, you know, I look at it, I went from driving a fire truck to a D one head softball coach and, and this is my fifth year. Right. So like, that sounds pretty amazing, but it was the 20 years that I've been working on myself and, and, Know, becoming a better person and becoming a leader and, and reading 10,000 books and listening to every pod, like doing all that stuff and then trying to apply it into my life. And then when I got to, to do this, it was like, I was ready. And that's mm -hmm. why I, I thought that I could, I could make this jump and, and get to, you know, run my own program. I literally thought I could do it in five years and I actually turned down a D2 job and after year two, um, but it was like, it was either take the D2 job or get into division one. And, and with the goals that I had set, it was, you know, more important to kind of get into D1. Um, so I kind of a little delayed gratification there, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many of these lessons that, that I was just, as they came up, it was like, what's the right thing? Well, you know what it is. We, you've read about it. You've learned about it. You've applied it in other areas of your life and, you know, let's roll with it. But it, it was just, I mean, we talked, I mean, we talked yesterday, we had a big lesson about the process, you know, that's the big buzzword right now, but we like, don't just say it. Like we had to explain it to our, our team yesterday. And like, what does that mean? Like break that down to what your process is. We're, 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 we're coming in, we're installing a whole new system here. We teach hitting different than the last staff did. So um, trying to get them to unlearn a lot of things and, and, they're frustrated with that. They want that gratification right now. They want to, you know, our microwave society, they want the result right now. And, you know, I tell them I grab my belly and shake it and say, listen, man, it took me 45 years to get this thing. I can't jump on a treadmill in 30 minutes and expect it to go away. So this is the same thing when you're looking at your swing or, you know, changing anything there, like it's, it's going to be a process and it ain't going to happen right now. But you have to stick with it every rep, every, you know, focused on that swing 
that rep with a, with intent and, and over time it's going to happen, but you can't, you know, you can't just go, oh, this doesn't work and go try the next gimmicky thing and, and go from there. So a lot of it was just, uh, I was fortunate that I, I put in the work when I was about, I, I ran into a mentor when I was, uh, 23 or 24 years old that, um, you know, started introducing a lot of this, uh, stuff into my life and, and I ate it up. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a smart kid growing up. I was always that kid that was, you know, took joy out of being the dumb jock and, and refused to read anything unless it had a batting average on it or something like that. And, and some stats, my head is still filled up with useless song lyrics and baseball stats from when I was a kid. But, um, once I figured out that I could learn and I just had to figure out how I learned, uh, man, I just started going crazy with it reading everything I could. And then, and then for the last, you know, four and a half years, it's been about, man, let's really get down and apply this stuff and, and see how it works. And, and obviously it's working out a little bit, <laughs> but now I got to back up all that trash. I've been talking for the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> now it's putting it in Time to put it on the table, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here we go. Thrown into the fire. Now you're prepared for it, man. And I, the thing I love about this most, man, is that it's not the traditional path. It's not, I go be a GA, then I go to a ball, then I do this, this, and now I'm a head coach. It's like, I was out of the game for this amount of time, but I kept working on myself. And a couple of things that I see with very successful people is personal growth is first and foremost, the number one thing that they do, no matter what field it is. And then two, like you said, buying into the process and knowing that it's not going to be an overnight success or that Amazon 24 hour delivery where it just shows up on my doorstep and I'm just I'm feeling great now. <laughs> you got to work at this. Um, how do you get your ladies to buy into your philosophy and your process? I know it might be new now as you're going, kind of going through it and applying it, but when you're going in, I know a lot of people are hesitant to try new things, especially when it involves change. For you and your staff, how do you guys really get them to buy into that process? Even taking us through some of that meeting that you guys had of like, hey, let's keep working. Let's keep going through this, knowing that this is going to pay off during the springtime. Yeah. We're fortunate here, um, man. We got a good, great, good group of girls. <laughs> it's funny, but before we started practicing, like I'd never really seen any of them play at all, and and but every time I met a, a different one, I'd get more jacked up because they're just awesome human beings, and they were just so excited about what was going to happen. And, and I just kept telling people, like, I don't know if we can play softball at all, but man, we got a great group of kids, and so that was exciting. Like when you know, you get to be around good humans, like it makes everything way more enjoyable. Um, but the, the process of, of changing things, you know, I've gotten, this is the, the fourth school I've been at. And um, one of the things I've noticed is that when, when you go to a team that had been losing and, and they have a sense that you might know what you're doing, like they're all in from the get go. Like, yeah, I could ask these girls to stand on their head and swing the bat with their feet and they would do it and be happy about it. Right. And figure it out. Like it's, so there's been no issues where I really had my, my, the hardest year of coaching that I have was last year when I went to Fresno state, I took over for Matt Lyle as a hitting coach. Ooh, yep. And so here's a popular guy who knows what he's doing. Right. And, and the girls loved him. He's a great dude. They, you know, he was invested in their relationships. And so um, here, here came like the stepdad, right? Like it was, it was this whole other scenario that I'd never dealt with. And I was getting shade thrown at me and I'd never had that in my career. So it was, it was hard for me. I liked to be liked. It was, it was, you know, very difficult. Um, and Fresno last year, we didn't have a fall. So COVID shut down the university completely. They had no fall season at all. Didn't even, the first time they saw their kids was when they showed up in January. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's one of the greatest experiments in coaching was I was so jacked up to see what was going to happen. Just like, cause we always feel like, Oh, we're not prepared. We're not prepared. We need more time. We need more time. The NCAA regulates us on all this time. I was really interested to see how much it mattered. It yeah. mattered not that much. You know, we That's messed crazy. up a couple bunt defenses early and maybe screwed up some cuts and relays early, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. You know, the kids that got after it all the time got after it on their own. The kids that half-assed things, half-assed their way through COVID and quarantine and came in out of shape. Mm. And it still played out like it normally played out. And, you know, they, it wasn't about like that stuff. I mean, granted, we had an All-American pitcher. We had some, a, a really senior um, infield that knew all the bunt defenses and all that kind of stuff already. So we, we, we weren't having to install a whole system like we are here. That This might have been different, mm. right? But for that, like, it, it really was, was eye-opening for me to go, like, hey, some of the stuff that we think matters a whole lot, it don't matter that much. And, and it made me even, like, I was already all in, like, still, like, at the end of the day, recruiting is number one, right? But 1A to me is environment. And it just, it drove that home even more for me because we got there, the environment, I got there, the environment was um, interesting, Um and, and then I came in in the middle of it and, you know, replacing a popular guy. And, and uh, we, it took us a while to kind of get it right. And for them to kind of buy into some of the stuff that I was talking about. And, and uh, we brought Dean in, it took me a while to get, to get Dean uh, brought in, but finally got the head coach to buy off on that. And, and that really started to, to, to turn things, you know, for the better for us and kind of let us on that magical run. But that was the most challenging uh, of, of situations. And you see that a lot when, when people take over programs where there was a really popular coach there who won, you know, it's that whole saying, like you'd want to be, you don't want to be the guy to replace the guy. You want to be the guy who replaced the guy to replace the guy. right? Like, you know? And, and so like when you go in and you're replacing, uh, uh, you know, this team had, you know, they haven't been very good the last couple of years. It's pretty easy. So as far as getting that buy-in, but yeah, I mean, you're still going to run through the daily, you know, monotony and, uh, of, of softball practice that, you know, we've got to master the mundane, you know, and be excited about it. This is a get to not a, not a, a have to do it. And, um, but to me, it's, it, we just have to talk about those things. I don't think we talk about these little things. We let the mundane, you know, start wearing us out instead of providing the, the, the youngsters with the, 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 the awareness of, of actually what's going on right when they're in the middle of it. Yeah. Good thing. Caitlin Lowe took over for coach Kendrea, you know what I'm saying? Cause there's literally nobody else that would have stepped into that role and been welcomed. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. yeah. Yeah. She's, she's uh she's, she's, a, she's a good human being and obviously uh, has the resume to back that up. Cause yeah, you're right. I don't think anybody else is going to pull that one off. <laughs> I'm still uh, interested as heck to see how it goes too. Cause yes, it, I mean, know. it's still going to be different. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure though. I mean, those alums are, are no joke either. You know, like they they have a lot of say in that, that organization. So, uh, it'll be interesting, excited. So, uh, side note, my wife played there. That's the only reason I have all this inside. <laughs> you know, so I love it. Who's your wife? Uh, Eva Watson, Eva McIntyre oh, yeah. now. So yeah. she was, uh, yeah. Center fielder for him, snapped her leg in the middle of a game. She's, you know, out for a year. So pretty she cool. Run, boy. <laughs> She flies. Yeah. My, my kids have a chance. 
<laughs> oh, she's she is a specimen. She is so strong, freaking fast, athletic. She yeah, she's she impressive. came out of like Virginia or something, right? Yep, yep. Uh, Vir- Victoria, Virginia, the only town smaller than my hometown is you know it's like fifty people <laughs> in one street. You know, crazy. So and they're all related. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I went and met all of her family, all fifteen of them. You know, so. <laughs> Um, so first of all, if anybody hasn't followed you on Twitter, your Twitter is like one of the best follows, you know, I, I, I think honestly, so, um, the way, way you instill things is awesome. And I think clearly you've gotten a lot from Dean who we've brought up a couple of times, uh, give the people just a little insight who Dean Wellums is and, and just, it's hard to explain what he does, right? Like you, yeah. you gotta be there. So, yeah, um, like I, I always tell people like when I'm trying to either sell him to other people, because I want everybody to have access to him and his program. And um, when I first started off, I always say, listen, man, I'm going to just not do this service, you know, justice of how I explain this. It, but it's so hard to explain. But um, when I was doing my podcast, this is how I, I met Dean. Um, I did an interview with Jay Johnson and he mentioned, he didn't mention him by name, but he mentioned his company, Team Elite. And so then I interviewed Brian Green when he was at uh, New Mexico State. And he mentioned him by name and then mentioned Team Elite. And so when we cut at the end, before he jumped off, I was like, whoa, 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 who's this guy? And, and Greeny's the one that, uh, that told me about him and uh, gave me his contact information. And I was able to, to run him down. And he was actually coming to Tucson uh, just as a surprise visit to, to – you know, work with Jay while he was still in Arizona. And he's like, Hey, just meet me over there at baseball offices. We'll knock out a podcast. And, um, that's where like, I'm, I'm a huge human behavior. Right. So like in the fire service, I'd be on a really bad scene. And what fascinated me was watching how everybody reacted because there's no preparation, right. We're there for, for on their worst day of their lives. And we're just there doing our job, doing CPR or whatever it is. And these people are just in this shock and it just fascinated me how people reacted, whatever. So back to Dean, I'm there with him and I'm watching, no one knew he was going to be there as far as any of the Arizona staff or, or players. And I'm watching these interact interactions that he's having with players and coaches as they, they see him. And it's the most authentic thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like they were like so excited to see this guy and it was authentic. They're hugging him. And I was like, something something's up here, right? This is, this is authentic. This is real. Um, and it's just something you don't see, you know? And, and so, um, we're just sitting there talking. We hadn't even started recording it. I think we talked for two hours and I should have been recording the whole time because it was awesome. Um, and then we went and sat in Jay's office and just kind of commandeered the office and sitting in there and he didn't even know we were in there and they're getting ready to play USC. And we're just in there recording and Jay walks in. He's like, <laughs> 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 um, but I had got to know him through interviewing Jay and then I'm sitting there with Dean and we're like, you know, sorry, coach, we can get out. And he's like, no, you two guys are good. You guys hang out here. I'm good. You know, so, um, so that, that's where it kind of started. And, and, you know, you, you have those, those special um, relationships that or you know, you meet people and, and it's just something clicks and something connects. And, and it's kind of been the case with him and I, I mean, it wasn't, we knew somehow we were going to be involved with each other. We didn't really know how after the podcast, um, you know, I was even thinking, man, I want to go. I always wanted to do what he does. Like that was something that I wanted to do. Um, and, and we kind of talked about it briefly. And then I started looking into getting back into coaching. And 
Um, he's, he's been amazing. He's come to every program that I've, that I've been a part of and, and, and has had amazing success. You know, when they, these kids do these reviews for, for coaches at the end of the year, and we get these surveys and Dean gets the highest marks. Out of it. <laughs> it's awesome. Best member of your entire staff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, guy shows up a couple times a year and, but no, he's, he's amazing. And, and so, you know, the best way to explain it, and it's hard because you don't want to turn people off, right. You don't want to, uh, from what he does. And so you don't want to just say, Oh, it's team building. It's, you know, it's all that stuff's kind of gotten a bad rap, you know, uh, from too many snake oil salesmen out there, you know, pushing their stuff. Um, but the best way that we've kind of come up to this, to talk about it is, it's personal development, but we're doing it all at the same time. So it gets kind of called team building, but we're all going through our own personal journey through our time with him. And, and each part, like it'll hit somebody different, you know, every time we're going through something and, um, but it builds, you know, so when I, when I was interviewing for the, the Fresno state job, um, the baseball coach, you know, we got a legendary coach over there on coach Batesel. Hmm. he was asking me like, Hey, like, you know, you've kind of got this, this extensive leadership background and stuff. Like what, what do you think we should do? Like, I've got, I got all these guys coming. I haven't even seen any of the freshmen. I don't even know any of these people, but we got to get going. And, you know, just a few weeks. And I said, you need to bring Dean in. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I don't think he kind of quite understood what I was talking <laughs> about, but, but the biggest thing was like, you need to develop trust right away. And the fastest way to do that is through vulnerability. Mm. And Dean is an amazing job at not forcing it. I mean, it's not forced at all, but he creates this, this environment where everybody feels safe to, to share, you know, and, and again, no one's forcing anybody to share like their darkest secrets or anything like that. But they, I mean, we've had some really powerful stuff come out and, and, and when we can all do that and the coaches, everybody goes through it with the players. Um, it just builds that instant trust. And, and it's, you know, I, I tell these kids when we're going through it that, you know, you're going to see me laugh. You're going to see me cry. Um, you're going to hear things about my past that, you know, I'm going to be completely open and transparent with. And, and, and it just, it creates that bond, that trust instantly. And, and it's what you need going through for this long grind, you know? And, and so it's an amazing program. It's fun. It's motivational. Um, but it's not just that he leaves you with resources that you can. So it doesn't, so it's not just this thing we did this one time, right? I think a lot of these programs are like, we just did this thing this one time. And then the, the excitement of whatever fizzles in a week, you know, and we're back to bickering and, you know, whatever. Um, but he leaves you with resources and he's been a constant resource for you and your, your team, you know, he'll jump back on zoom calls and help you guys work through issues or whatever. I mean, so he's just, it's a resource. It's not just this thing you guys did this one time. And that's what I think besides his authenticity and his just love for what he does and love for, I mean, he loves these kids. He loves working with them. He loves, you know, this whole process. And, you know, I think a lot of these guys are more interested in being like who they are and they're, they're, they're selling this, they're selling them, right. You get me to come. Right. And hardly anybody knows who Dean is and that's because it's not about him and it's authentic. And so, um, 
Yeah, man. If, and, and one of the other things I love about it is if he, he's not going to come to nickel softball and then tomorrow go to Southeastern Louisiana, who's in our conference and do the same thing. He sticks with just one team per conference because then it's not like it, it, it's authentic, right? Like, Hey, I know I'm involved with this team and I'm going to help them win their conference. Um, and I think that's, I mean, the guy could wait, make way more money if he would just whore himself out to everybody. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not who he is. And so, um, I don't know. I'm obviously a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in. I, when, when Dean came to, when Dean came to Nevada, I'll never forget. We had, I think it was three or four different people come in that fall. And, and it was when Jay just got the job, my junior year, I think Ray was his first year coaching and we had three different, four different people come in and it was like, boom, boom. And it was like, ah, like the great people, nothing wrong with them. They were sure. awesome. A lot of good knowledge, but there was one thing missing and it was the connectability and relatability from the presenter to the athletes. And then Dean came in and he just fires us up. He walks in like a bat out of hell. And we're like, Whoa, what the, like I immediately stand guard. Like uh, what's going on here? Like, who is this dude? He's fired up. He's like, all right, everybody, this, this. And we're like, Oh my gosh, I was not prepared at 9 PM at night for this thing. <laughs> and so he comes in just rolling. And then by the end of it, like you said, we're crying, we're laughing, we're hugging. We're like, like growing out on the way up to the, the parking garage to leave. And then it stuck with us because like you said, he keeps coming around and he's always there for you. Um, I want to kind of lead off of something and, and I see it with you. I see it with Dean and I really see it with a lot of people that are really good at connecting with others and building those relationships and it's energy, bringing really good positive energy and creating that energetic environment. We're like, how do you source that energy? Like, where, where do you really get that source of energy for you, coach? And is it just part of your personality? And how important is that positive energy to build that culture and sustain that culture through the ups and downs of a season in college? Yeah, well, so the energy part, like, I'm not like, I'm not jacked up all the time like this. Like, this, this is something like I have to, I have to save up, right? Like, I, <laughs> you'll see me at practice and I'm pretty chill. I'm, I'm pretty chill all the time. Most of the time I, I'm, you know, you look at my press conference, I had to follow up the new baseball coach here, Mike Silva. And this dude lives like at a 10, you know, he's <laughs> this guy all the time. And I'm going, shit, I got to follow this guy. And I got to do my press conference and I'm going to yeah. be up there. He's like, Hey guys, you know, this is just me. And I'm just I'm here. <laughs> so I, I've got to save up. And I, I mean, I, I even have to remind myself at practice, like that they need the energy. You know, and, 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 you know, cause it's not, I, I'm chill and I'm, it's just how I am. I'm a pretty relaxed guy, but, um, so understanding when I have to have the energy and, and when to use it. Um, when I was younger, I was at a 10 all the time and I think it offended more people than it, it really helped. You know, I was in everybody's face and loud and, um, that can be kind of off putting. And so, you know, a, a lot of this stuff that you, you kind of learn is self-awareness that, and you start learning, you know, different people are different and all the different personality types. You go through a million of those trainings and in your sales careers and you start learning that, man, I'm gonna, like, we need to be able to, to, to attract people to us, not repel people from us. And if I'm at a 10 all the time, I'm probably repelling half the people away from me, you know? And so um, it's reading the room, reading the individuals uh, as far as just the energy goes. And um you know, and then I, shit, as I get older, I just don't have the energy period to, to just be in a 10 all the time anymore. And so, 
um, you know, just understanding myself and, and, and my own awareness that I don't have to be like that. And, and, and you know, but um, I've always been optimistic my whole life. You know, Zig Ziglar had a quote that I used to love. He's like, I'm so optimistic. I'll take my last $2 and buy a money clip. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so, and it, but I've all, I've just always been, you know, that you have a choice of, of how you're going to think about things. And um, I don't know that being optimistic is any more than being pessimistic, but it makes me feel better. And, and that's got to help, you know? And so we just have choices every day. You're going to, you know, you're going to come across things that suck and how you deal with it is, is you're going to have, you know, you know, let it ruin your day and, and be, you know, pouty pants all day, or you're just going to roll with it. And it is what it is. You know, if I, something happens to me, these young ladies that come into this office or I meet down at the field or whatever, like they didn't ask for me to be in a bad mood. They, you know what I mean? Like I owe them everything I got on a, on a daily basis, you know, and that's one another Dean quote, right? Like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not asking for much, just everything you got. Right. And, and I take that serious and like they, they, they get everything I got. And then, so I, you know, but it, it starts with that, that consistent positive attitude all the time. And, and, you know, that consistency in that is, is, I think, super important for leaders. And it allows other people to understand where they stand with you all the time. You know, when I was at the fire service, I had a, a battalion chief and uh, he was everyone, you know, kind of was like, this guy's bipolar. Right. We didn't know where to stand with him. And his name was his name was Bill. So they'd say, is Bill in today or is Will in today? Because he'd be mm. two completely different people. And that's hard where you don't know where, how to act around people. And so I, you know, one of my biggest leadership uh, uh, qualities is, is consistency and, and that consistency in your temperament, your attitude. And, um, and one, I mean, so I think I've always just been like that generally, but um, once you start really understanding it, I, it's, it, it's, as far as repelling or attracting people to you, I, I think we'd all rather be around people who, who have that positive mindset all the time. Mm, absolutely. I, I love that too. And I love the consistency piece, you know, and how you show up, the temperament, your attitude and how you treat people to being consistent in your values. That's so good. Um, my last question, I'll kick it back to Ray. Maybe we hop into the game and I don't think we ever prepped you for the game coach, but we have a great game and you're going to kill the game. You're going to crush it. Um, is really like over this last 20, 25 years since your playing days in through the sales jobs, fire department into now coaching again, um, who has really been, I know you mentioned your mentor earlier, who have been some of the main pillars in that who have helped you develop these qualities that you've learned over these years? And what is your best advice to anybody else who's going into something new, unknown, or uncertain that they're a little nervous about? They're trying to take that leap of faith or dive into a new venture. Maybe they're transitioning into or out of coaching. Um, what is your best advice for those people who are like on the edge, on the fence, but they don't really know if they can plunge forward and lean into that fear? Yeah, I get I get a lot of calls from uh, fire buddies who are either getting close to their you know twenty years of service and you know you can retire twenty years and be like fifty years old and you still got your life you know and you're gonna get a pension and now it's like what do I do you know and so a lot of them or they're you know they reach their moment like I did where like this isn't what I wanted and uh, it's time to go do something new but it's that fear that that holds them back and so they'll call me like hey, what did you do? And what, you know, and, and you know, so I, I get those calls a lot and, and I'm glad that they call me because I, I, you know, I'd love to help them out with it. But um, I had some amazing people and still do in my life. And I've, I've always been a relationship guy. And I'm, I'm, one of the things I learned um, 
really early in my adult life was to be intentional with these relationships. Um, I wasn't all, you know, as kids, we don't, we, we don't really pay attention to that. And that's how a lot of us end up in bad crowds. <laughs> you know. Um, and I certainly ran with, uh, with some knuckleheads back in the day and, and got in a lot of trouble. And, um, but then I, when baseball season would roll around, I'd go hang out with those guys and, and kind of keep me straight for a little while. But, um, so I have, I have to, obviously Dean is, is huge and has been in my life for, you know, the last five, six years. Um, but there's another guy named Eric Thompson and, uh, this guy. So anytime I've got some big life decision, I talk to two people. I talked to Dean and I talked to Eric and Eric is, um, he was my junior college roommate, my freshman year. And we both went to, to central Arizona together. He was a big recruit. I was a nobody. Um, and we both played outfield and I just outworked his ass and took his spot and they wanted to redshirt him. And he was like, Nope, I'm going to transfer. So he ended up transferring. And I say that because that's how he tells the story, right? I'm not just <laughs> shitting on him. Um, he's an amazing. And he's still, I mean, guy went and played power five, uh, baseball at, at Washington state and, um, had a great career too. But, uh, then, you know, life took us different ways. We lost touch and this was all before social media and everything else like that. And, and then, um, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, we ran into each other at a Chili's or something. And it was just, we always liked each other. We were always buddies and we just, you know, exchanged numbers and started hanging out and, and his life, you know, he just became this dynamic, uh, leader, kind of like a Dean, you know, except he does it for the business world um, goes in and, and, you know, teaches these, uh, high ranking, um, business people, how to, to, to develop culture. And he's amazing at it. And he's just an authentic, same thing. There's this authenticity about him that, um, he, and that's why he's so successful, you know, and he's currently working for a guy in, um, in, in Colorado that was on undercover billionaire recently. And, um, Grant Cardone and all this thing. And the guy finally pulled him out. He was living in the Bay area. And the guy said, I need you, man. I need you to be my right-hand man going through this growth that they were having with his business. And, uh, so he moved his family as I was moving to Fresno, his family was moving from California to Colorado. And we passed in Tucson, just like, I mean, coincidentally, you know, and, um, but he's, he's been a great guy. And, and anytime I've got something, even with it, the team or whatever, I'll call him up and be like, Hey, Here's what's going on. And, and just off the top of his head, he's like, do this, do this, do this. And it's, and it's all perfect. You know what I'm yeah. like? This is this guy, right? Um, so I got those two guys. Um, but then along, I mean, you know, another famous, I don't know if it's famous or whatever, but something I heard Zig Ziglar say was, you know, you, you ever see a turtle on a, on a fence post, you know, he didn't get there by himself. You know, he had to help, <laughs> right? And, and so – there's always, always people along the way that helped me out. And the biggest one right now in, in my uh, coaching career was Mike Candrea at Arizona. And I reached out to every coach in the country and I had three people even respond to an email and he was one of them. And the other two at least responded, but they're like, Hey, we ain't got nothing, but good luck. Well, if we hear anything. And I was so appreciative to just get those emails from those guys. Right. And then Mike, I mean, it was easy. I was in his backyard and we had the central Arizona connections. That's where he started as well. Uh, but we didn't know each other. We didn't have a relationship, uh, but he invited me down to his office and, and uh, we talked for two hours and he started inviting me to work all his camps. And then here's my biggest 
advice for like the young people that are either wanting to get into coaching or anything. It really just applies everywhere is, is take people on as mentors. And that's what I did with Mike. I didn't give him a choice. I, I took him on as a mentor and he didn't know it. He didn't know what he was getting <laughs> um, But I just, I look for ways to provide value to him. You know, we, we, the first camp he, he invited me to was a winter camp. And, uh, you know, he paid me, I don't know what it was, four or 500 bucks or whatever. And I cashed the check. I was working, right. I was making 70 plus thousand dollars a year driving a fire truck. I didn't need the $400, but I knew that his volunteer coach could use a couple extra bucks at around Christmas time. Right. So got him a Christmas card, cashed his check, sent it to him a little note. Hey, give this to your volunteer. I don't need it, whatever. And, and, and that made an impact on him. And the guy calls me, he's like, what are you doing? And I've never had something like that, you know? And I was like, well, I don't need it. You know, I, I, I really told him not to pay me. I wanted the, to, the, the proximity to him is all I wanted. You know, I wanted to be able to, to just by osmosis, get some of what is, you know, as the godfather of college softball, right? I just wanted to get a little bit of it. And uh, so just built that relationship intentionally with him and tried to provide value in any way I could. And, um, and, and it worked. I mean, it, it's, it's the long game, but it's that, I mean, again, and it's, but it's providing, it's being intentional with your relationships for nothing more than just the relationship itself. Right. Yeah. It wasn't uh, this slimy way of going on down the road <laughs> I'm gonna get something from him. You know what I mean? It was like, I was just happy with the relationship. And, and I think that, you know, he kind of sensed that authentically as well. And, and, you know, that's how you, you do it. And, and it was, I knew that he could potentially help me, but I had to be okay with him never helping me either and being okay with just the relationship. And that's, that's, I think, you know, a, a huge piece of why I'm here. So good. So good. Go ahead, Ray. Gary V hits on that all the time. You know, he's just, if you want to, you want to be a millionaire, you know, get as close to the sun as possible. And that's the only way it's going to happen. Um, but man, yeah, is that's that, that Tim, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about that all the time. You know, you're the five people that you hang out with. You're the average of the five people you hang out with. And you want a better life, get better people to hang out with. And, you know, and in all areas, I mean, I know guys that are super successful that, that like have different five people crowds for their finances, for relationships, for like all everything, you know, and, and it's very rare. You're going to find five people to hang out with. that are completely dialed in in every area that you want to be. Right. So like you might have to, seek out those other people but yeah gary v man that dude it's my guy i met him twice i got pictures with him he's so again authentic dude this is you're a legend first of all <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh. <a> legendary <laughs> um question a quick question before we get in the game because you've hit on it a couple times you're a big reader get, can you give us a couple books that you're big on like i'm sure you've read a million but a couple that stand out in your mind right now yeah the the two the best two that i've read recently um, think like a monk by Jay Shetty it was phenomenal. And then I don't know if I have it up there. I think it, yeah, I lent it out. I lent out books, man. I don't get them back. <laughs> some of them are like, I, that's why we have them, right? Is to give them out. But some, like, I have to keep rebuying them. Cause like, I, that was my copy <laughs> and I had, I had it all highlighted where I wanted it dog-eared and get to do it again. Um, the other one is unlearned by humble, the poet. Ooh, unlearned. He's, he's awesome. So awesome. And, and reading uh, any of his stuff. And I, I like to do the audio books too. And especially when the authors read them, I, you know, and he's got such a cool accent and um, 
you know, just a very authentic story. And, and yeah, so those, those are my, those have been my, my let my most recent, uh, that I've been pretty excited about Ryan holiday's new book comes out. I'm a huge Ryan holiday fan. Um, his new book I think came out today or yesterday or something. So I'm, I'm patiently waiting for that one to show up at my doorstep. Um, so I, yeah, I'm big into all of his books. All the obstacle is the way I probably read and reread that book 9,000 times. Um, so yeah, those, I, uh, yeah, don't get me started on books. So. <laughs> well, we have a different podcast. We have like a combined 90, uh, 12 and a half by Gary V coming out. They'll be sent to our place. So we're going to have to shoot you one. I don't know if you have. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't. I, is, is he got a new book out? Uh, it comes out in November. Uh, so the NFT scene, I don't know if you know anything about it, but he's, I he's, do. And I, 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 yeah, I do. And I, I, I got to watch what I get involved in because I go down rabbit holes like crazy. <laughs> we need to get you a on rabbit hole. This is <laughs> a rabbit hole. <laughs> oh my God. And, and Gary V with his, like, I had to stop. Like, I still pay attention because he's in my feed, but I don't dive into his garage sale stuff that he's doing and his <laughs> NFTs. I had, to, I had to draw the line somewhere. And, you know, and, and, you know, there's another lesson too. I mean, sometimes people are, are right for us. I mean, I started, I was old school Gary V, uh, you know, wine, live wine, library, TV.com yeah. Gary V. And I don't even like wine, but I liked, I saw an episode of him and it wasn't like the typical wine snob, you know, like my brother-in-law would get just, <laughs> Yep. Out of here, man. Gary V's like, does it spits it in a New York Jets helmet? And he's like, that tastes like a racket ball, you know. Like, <laughs> this is our right. guy. This is my guy right here, you know. So oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, we'll send you a copy. It comes out in November. Um, but we'll get into the game. Uh, if that's it. all right, bye. Uh, let's we do call it, it. Let's do it on it or off it. So basically, we're going to run through 10 things, a random list of 10 things. And each time you're just going to tell us you're on it, you're for it, or you're off it. It's not really your thing. And then just like a one sentence as to why. Perfect. All right. Number one, bike rides. On it. On it. And, and here's why. I, I like to run. I run. I don't like it because um, it hurts, especially as I get older. But uh, David Goggins had kind of, I've always had this thing with running that David Goggins was more eloquently able to, to describe why I liked it. it was like, I like the battle of, of my mind telling me to quit as soon as I start. And right. And so I always, I, I figured that out early and that's why I like running is I love that mental, um, battle that I have with myself every morning. It starts with dreading when the alarm goes off, right? Am I, I'm made for the covers today. And sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Um, but because I, I like to run, but I, my body just breaks down and, and the inflammation and stuff, it, it's uh, bike rides have, have helped my knees out a little bit more. Very so I'm nice. on it. Love it. Love it. Uh, it's October, so horror movies. Mm, I'm off, man. I'm off. My daughter's into them, man. And that's concerning. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't like being scared. I don't like being scared. I had a, I had a captain that, that was always trying to get us to watch horror movies. And I just, I don't like to feel it, man. I started trying to pull nose hairs out of my nose. And like, not my thing. Off. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, can you be both, right? Um, I, I appreciate the greatness, right? But I grew up a Dolphins fan, and that dude put my heart out more times than I care for. And 
Um, so yeah, I appreciate him and, and, and I mean what he's doing. And I, I don't know, they're gonna they're gonna have to crack that dude's brain open at some point and see what the heck. Um, so I appreciate that, and I, and I I love when people get haters like he gets, man. That that's when you know you made it. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh, soccer. Oh, off. <laughs> <laughs> So we're just gonna move on to the next one. Uh, I, I'm American, right? I mean, like I know it's getting like more important, but like to me, and this is me talking trash now, right? Is like uh, I'll never say this to any soccer person's face. So, um, but I always used to say growing up, was like, dude, we played that when we were like in seventh grade, and you know, and, and then the only people that kept playing it were people who couldn't play football, baseball, or basketball. <laughs> Yeah. The true athletes, right? That's right. No, and that's obviously completely not true anymore, but that's just me talking trash. <laughs> um, going camping. Oh, on it. On it, man. There ain't nothing better than getting out in the world and, and, and nature. And, and it's just so resetting. I grew up hunting, fishing, sleeping on the ground. Um, my family's not. My, I got the biggest city slicker group of kids and wife ever. Um, you guys ever read a book called Vagabonding? Uh, Ralph Potts. Don't read this book if you don't want to travel. And like, it's going to affect your world. I ignored this book for two years because I knew what it would do to me once I read it. <laughs> and once I read it, dang it, I wanted to travel. And so my, I couldn't, like he talks about like going overseas by yourself and living in hostels and like all this kind of stuff. Couldn't do that with my situation with the family. So my version of that was right before I left the fire service, I had all this time built up and I knew I was gonna leave. Um, so I scheduled a, I got a 30 foot travel trailer RV with a big lifted Ford excursion. And I planned a 32 day round trip all the way up the California coast up to British Columbia and back. We didn't make it. We made fifteen days. Two weeks in. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, like, I could. We got. We didn't even get out of California, man. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but for for my family who'd never done anything like this, like two weeks was probably a way more realistic. And I was just Clark Griswold. You know, I was. I was. I wasn't having it, man. I wanted to get to Canada so bad, and, and yeah, we we didn't even make it past San Francisco. But that was right. I'm gonna try it again. If you're gonna cut down your own tree, just make sure it's a 50 footer. You know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Indiana Jones. Mm, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of dug him when I was a kid, but I'm indifferent to him now. So I guess that's an off. Okay. Badminton, dude. Badminton. Now I haven't played it forever, but when I was in in college. Um, I had to take, you know, I got this wonderful PE degree from a school in Louisiana where I filmed Duck Dynasty. So education was high on my list. And, uh, you know, I was, I was going to the league, right? I was, I was, you know, like every other college baseball player. And so I tried to find the easiest degree I could find to keep me eligible. And I ended up in this team sports class. And that's where I got my first, like, hardcore learn the rules of badminton. And we played it and I was like, this is a great game. And then, so I was recruiting this kid, um, a couple years ago and she's an old school big girl pitcher like she's big tall and just a big girl and she's like hey coach I, you know I was trying to set up a, a, a like a zoom call for a recruiting she's like I can't I can't make it I got badminton practice tonight and she's dead serious and I was like what and she's like yeah I'm not the typical badminton player but I'm here to dominate that's awesome <laughs> 
Did you just anchor right away? Yeah, I was like, this is, I want this kid. That's awesome. Uh, a little off topic, video games. Yeah, I used to be on a hardcore. Um, the day I, I brought my son home, I unplugged the Xbox and didn't play anything again until um, he started getting into video games. And uh, it was just as, you know, because I rabbit holes, right? And, and I just knew that if I didn't unplug that thing and get rid of it, I, I wasn't going to be the, the dad I was supposed to be that I had in my mind. And so started playing with him when he started getting older and because he couldn't, you know, figure it out and so you play together and, and, and uh some of those games they have like with the lego characters like i could play and he would tag along the whole time and it would be fine until he learned what he was doing but then once he learned out what he was doing uh, he hasn't let me play since so <laughs> I'm, i guess now i'm off because uh, <laughs> um to softball moving the fences back in softball on it on it is yeah. it because you're a baseball mind? Because I'm, I've, my wife's a purist, so she's way off it as an outfielder. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the deal: she should be on it as an outfielder because right. it outfield in college softball doesn't matter nearly as much in, as it does in baseball, and that's a really unpopular thing for me to say right there. But because the fields are smaller, outfield play isn't nearly as important. Now it's still important, right? I mean, obviously you want athletes and rabbits out there to go to run balls down but the fields are so much smaller it just isn't as important as it is as as defense in the infield is, uh my opinion um but if if we move those fences back it comes a little bit more of a of a need, those, those right? doubles like and that. triples start coming out a little bit yeah, more you've got those... a big field here um and and it it matters you know the, the gaps are big and um, and, and here's the thing, like these little, these girls, they play on the same size field their entire life. Yeah. We don't do that in baseball. Yeah. You, know, you step it up and now with as good as the athletes are getting in softball and, and the back technology and all this stuff, like, I mean, come on, we're, we're miss hitting home runs 230. Every like, game. Every game. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And then the other thing they need to do is they need to up the, the, the slaughter rule, you know, the, the eight run after five. Like, there's teams out there that can disappear that fast. real quick. You know, they should at least be 10. But not, not a hill I'm going to die on either. I know. <laughs> uh, last one, Jason Aldean. I, I'm on it. I'm on it. I, I don't. So here's, I, I was a big movie, or not a movie, uh, music guy. And I still am. I like music, but I just don't. When I get the opportunity to, to be in my car, I don't listen to music much. It's, it's always a podcast or a, a book or something. And so I don't, I'm not a huge music guy anymore, as much as I enjoy it. And every now and then I got to get the reset because I can't find something that I want to listen to. And I think, you know what? I need to listen to some music. And uh, yeah, I, I, I got a few of his songs that I know by heart, but uh, I, I haven't bought a whole album or anything like that. But I, I know uh, there's some of the genre of, of country music gets some hate, but and, Anytime people get hate, I'm on for it. Hey, in your defense, I haven't bought a whole album since I was like 13, so I get you. <laughs> uh, you nice showed job. my age there, right? No, there it is. You didn't say cassette, you know? <laughs> so one of my players from my, my first year back coaching, um, unfortunately, her mom passed away, and, and her mom left her a bunch of stuff, but she left her like some notes or like you know her mom talking whatever but like vhs and cassette tapes and this kid's going she's on instagram going anybody have any idea what these are oh no, oh, no. that's where we're at now yeah you know? 
<laughs> well, hey, you dominated. This has been awesome, and and just hanging really. Like we we've been talking. We're we're trying to get out to Louisiana asap cj and cu and and all that maybe avoid a hurricane you know get out yeah, of that deal so hey uh, I, I my wife told me not to say this publicly because it might hurt my career going forward but um so when i first moved got back into coaching um i don't watch the news i i don't i'm not one of those people that pays attention to that stuff so a lot of times i learn what the weather is by when i go outside and i'm like oh i'm ill prepared for today <laughs> i gotta go back inside but so I'm, we're loading up this huge, uh, you know, rider truck or whatever it was. And I got it halfway loaded. My dad comes around the corner and says, you know, there's a hurricane getting ready to hit where you're moving. What? So I look, I'm like, oh, crap. So the day we were supposed to move into our house in Corpus Christi was the day Harvey hit. And uh, so we got stuck in a hotel room in San Antonio uh, for like four or five days. You know, when you're packing for like an overnight trip, uh, it was kind of inconvenient. And then we dodged a few while we were in, in Corpus the rest of the four years we were there. And then, yeah, I get here and Ida comes in wreck shop. And so my wife's like, don't tell people that because, you know, you're, you're clearly the one that brings bad weather with you uh, wherever you go. And so, um, yeah, but it's, it's been interesting. I mean, you got, have you guys spent much time in Louisiana? No, no trip to Ruston and we played in Lafayette. Those are the only two places I've been. People here, man. I'm yeah. Not- amazing i always had a pull after playing you know i was here two and a half years in, in the northern part of the state um and i always just had this pull back to the state because of the people and you know the culture the food obviously um my wife's west coast right and she i would tell her this i was like we're gonna end up back in louisiana she's like no we're not <laughs> uh the nichols job came up and i was like oh there's my shot but it, it worked out getting her on board with she ended up getting a uh uh, assistant professor job on campus in the department of education. And so that was like, that was check. Like, yep, <laughs> it was, it was done. It was a job she always wanted. And she was just a regular, you know, just an ele- not a regular, an elementary school teacher, but she wanted um, this particular job, which are pretty rare because there's always like one in a university. So they don't come op- open very often. So um, it, it, the stars aligned. And, and uh, so yeah, we're here. And, and, and even with Nichols itself, I mean, when you hear people like this, this job has challenges and we don't have the resources that, you know, my first job or first day as a team practice as a division one head softball coach, I spent in a boom truck 30 feet up above our field, putting our backstop back up from hurricane Ida. Wow. Not coaching. <laughs> putting the backstop. Jeez, man. During practice. That was what I did. And I was yelling, Hey, you know, try to, <laughs> but like like you know jay's not gonna do doesn't have to do that at lsu right i mean so we got these challenges but so it's real important and i and i tell that i use this in recruiting is like how do we make up for the lack of resources and it's like, you better not miss on the people and so uh there's a common theme around here around Nichols is that it's the right they're the right people and we got to find the right people so our administration is full of the right people you know i've been at other schools where it wasn't that, you know, they, people are, you know, obviously good people, but our athletic director here is a rock star, just a stud, our president, amazing. He understands that, that athletics is the front porch of the, of the university and um, believes in investing in it. And right now there's like 37 projects going on on campus and 20 of them are athletics. 
I mean, it's, it's a good time to be a Colonel right now. And, and so, um, you know, we're not even fully funded, you know, I mean, but there's, it doesn't matter. The right people are in place and we can make it work. It's a place you can win. That's all you need. That is all so you need. Good. Well, coach, you dominated again. Like I said, the thank you for just sharing your time. I know you're, I, I would assume you're pretty busy as a head coach. So, uh, for you <laughs> to celebrate what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Thank you so much. Bye. Do you have anything to wrap up with coach before we get him out of here? Yeah. I love the story, man. Your story is very impactful and, and definitely took a lot of nuggets out of this today, man, but it was awesome. It was good. We wish you nothing but the best of luck out there, uh, especially building something new, man. It's exciting. We're, we're pumped for you. We're pulling for you and hopefully we can get down there and watch a game or two, man, this spring. That'd be awesome. So, Hey, uh, Hey, we appreciate you. go down and see Jay and, uh, and then yeah, we're 45 minutes South of them. So uh, make sure you come hang out and, and, you know, I, I'd love to, to meet you guys in person and, and congratulations to you guys because you guys are killing this thing. And uh, I'm a fan. I've been watching you guys, that, you know, ever since, uh, you know, I heard of Austin through Dean. I've uh, been kind of tracking him and his journey and, and just watching. You guys have been building, man. It's so much fun to watch and uh, inspiring. And, you know, we, we all look for if you can get inspiration in other people's journeys to success, man, it's what it's all about. Love it. That's so good. Well, we appreciate you, Coach. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks, I appreciate Coach. you. Take care. If you need anything, let us know. Will do. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. Uh, Coach Lewis domination, first of all. I, I think Nichols is going to be in a pretty good situation this year. I, I saw um, some pictures. His follow, if you haven't followed him on Twitter, is an outstanding follow. He always dropping nuggets. But, um, yeah, I think those girls are going to be in a really good place, and, and he's definitely excited to get the thing rolling. Uh, what were your thoughts? It was uh, unbelievable, man. I love the leadership philosophy, um, the consistency that he talks about and showing up and then just being there for your, your girls, dude, your girls, your guys, your team, your program, your coaches. I mean, that is just the most powerful thing ever is that authenticity that he talked about a lot throughout the podcast. And so seeing that aspect, those girls are in a really, really good place. They're very lucky to have somebody like that. I like the energy, but also the chillness behind it and understanding um, of the things that are around us and the things that we're dealing with as athletes. So um, great podcast, man, 10 out of 10, dude, he brought the flames. It was awesome to have him on there and just took a lot of really good nuggets, took a whole page of notes on it um, too. Something that stood out to me though, that he said was mastering the mundane master the mundane it just stuck with me it hit me i'm like man there's a lot of mundane things that we do no matter what realm or job we're in and mastering those things and taking pride in those things leads to really big results for us in the future that's right man just chip away get the get the little things right you know what and the rest will kind of take care of itself so uh coach lewis we can't thank you enough for joining us man it's been uh, honestly one of our funnest or most fun podcasts i think because we are just such a relatable dude and then we have so many connections that you know we didn't really know about going in but um that they're all great people you know we know all these people coach kendrea dean wellams caitlin Lowe. like these are very good coaches very good um you know reinforcing the the positives right like they, they bring the energy and bring the noise so uh coach lewis we can't thank you enough and, and we're really excited to have you back we're gonna bring you back you know what i'm saying uh and go check out uh, he had old podcasts out there somewhere do you remember stitcher is that right yeah stitchers on stitcher um something coaches something i, I forgot i botched it we'll find it we'll find <laughs> it he's got like 40 episodes we're gonna go find that thing so yeah uh, anyways, we can't thank you guys enough for listening to us, sharing your time with us, sharing your mornings. Uh, we've been getting a lot of great feedback and, and this thing's still rolling. 
Uh, obviously, I'm getting pretty busy here, but we're still going to be cranking these things out weekly and talking to a lot of great coaches and bringing you guys some value. So uh, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us over there on Twitter uh, at Major University at Project Sandlot. We get both of those going uh, and that's going pretty good we're, we're rolling on that so we're hoping to get there uh obviously we might get pushed back a little bit right now with things going but uh we are still working really hard to get that off the ground because we think it's going to provide a lot of value uh for some youth that need it you know so uh thank you once again for joining us yeah ray mac bzb we out